0: Gentlemen, welcome to RB1 Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by FakeTeams.com. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined, as always, by John Barnett. But instead of Clark Barnes, it's Haji Blackburn. Haji, how are you?
1: Good, good. How are you guys doing today?
0: We are doing splendidly. John, how how is the other Wisconsinite on this show now? We've got two of you. That's right. Uh,
2: all right. Living large then. Yeah. I don't know. We're, uh, I'm getting sick of some of the uh, Wisconsin right now or, you know, and around everywhere at this point with the, everyone's blaming everything.
0: Everything's terrible. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I'm just tired of it. <laughs> Things are <laughs> not great in Wisconsin. I think that's one of the, this not might be fine. the very first time that the podcast is open and everything is not fine in Wisconsin. I'm fine. <laughs>
2: You're They're fine. Annoying.
1: <laughs> there
0: it, there
1: yeah.
2: it is. Badgers are still number five right now so we got that so, and
1: Badger at least hockey, at
2: least you, Badger hockey is number five
0: Badgers women hockey number one so there you go there's at least something to root for in the great state of mm-hmm. Wisconsin uh of course you are listening to our week recap so as we'll be reca- recapping week seven going around the horn chatting about the games uh but before we get into that we will be given our uh no one helped or you helped no one awards this week. Uh we posted this out again on our Twitter. So if you don't follow us, well, you're lost. Uh, but we also published it out to fakete So make sure you read that and vote in the polls. But like we inst- like we started last week, um, uh, you know, it's always important to look around the league and uh, you know, recognize and give recognition to those players who helped absolutely no one in fantasy, both because They either had a huge game and weren't on a team or uh, because they were highly started across all leagues but gave you absolutely nothing in their performance. So this week's nominees, we have Josh McCown, who threw for 209 yards and had four total touchdowns in the loss against the Miami Dolphins. Jordy Nelson, our second nominee with one catch for 13 yards. Uh, TJ Yeldon had nine rushing attempts for 122 yards and a touchdown. AJ Green, our fourth contestant, with three catches and 41 yards. And then finally, we wrap it up with Demarius Thomas, who had two catches and nine yards. John, let's start with you. Who was the player who was the least helpful in week seven?
2: I think it's Jordy Nelson, just because uh, I think he's still, mostly because I think I projected more more problems to some of these other players. I don't trust Demarius Thomas in a week-in, week-out sort of way as much as the other receivers. AJ Green had a terrible matchup going against the number one DVOA pass defense in the league, and I think Jordy had an opportunity. I mean, like last week, he still got 10 targets, even without – we get nine of them from Hundley, and this week he just didn't throw. We just did not throw the Packers through two passes in the first quarter. It was ridiculous, the game plan that they put together. Instead of going short and attacking him with our superior receiving core – to decide to just do something different. (laughs) And so I think Jordy still could have had a great role and it was just used incorrectly in a way that, that really hurt his numbers, which really just hurt us more than anything. And it hurt the game too, because the Packers really could have used just getting the ball out of Hundley's hands as quickly as possible. And they only started doing that after they were down two scores. So,
0: yeah, you would think that going into this game that they ha- would have focused on getting the ball to Jordy and out of Hundley's hands quickly. But I had I debated long and hard about this, um, and I had Jordy. I was leaning Jordy, but then I kind of talked myself out of it because I was like, yeah, maybe you could convince yourself that there should be a slight downtick with a first full start by Brett Hundley. I'm not entirely sure, but I could convince myself out of it, mainly because I just had uh, – I settled with Demarius Thomas. He gave you absolutely nothing. And he did it against a Chargers defense that's bottom 10 at losing wide receiver. So it wasn't even like he was playing a really tough, difficult matchup. We've seen Trevor Simeon like, perform very well and, and give very strong performances. We saw it all the way. I mean, you can go back to week one against the Chargers, and he had a str- he had a good performance then. I was not expecting this. I was not, did not foresee a just complete and utter collapse by the Broncos, the offense against the Chargers defense. That is okay. You know, nothing, nothing stellar and amazing, but it's, it's all right. So did Thomas is my vote for, uh, you helped no one buddy. <laughs> Haji, what's, uh, give us your, uh, player who helped absolutely no one in week seven.
1: So I'm going to go, uh, out on a limb here a little bit and, and go away from the list because it was. Just
0: perfectly filling the role that is Clark. Always <laughs> exactly. just, just taking the rules and you're just breaking them. I love it.
1: And I'm just going to throw them off the window. Just throw those just rules away. Right <laughs> so when it comes to fantasy this year, it's, it's everything rides on the quarterback. NFL games, fantasy games, whatever you're looking at. There were a lot of poor offensive outputs this week. I think you guys both touched on them. Green Bay, Denver struggled mightily. I mean, there's even talk of of making a change there. But another team that looked terrible was Carolina, and that all starts at the helm with Cam Newton. Um, what he did or didn't do affects Jonathan Stewart, Christian McCaffrey, Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches. These are guys that you're plugging in your – flex spots and they're, they're hurting you just outside of cam. And, you know, cam's one of those top 10 quarterbacks. I think I saw he's still 98% owned in fantasy leagues. So he is starting on probably most of those rosters and it's just ugly. Uh, I mean, no touchdowns this week, his rushing yards saved you. He had nine carries for 50 yards, but 211 yards, uh, he threw Um, The pick six, he had a break go against him. That um, I guess in any IDP leagues, anybody who had Eddie Jackson for some odd reason, they they mopped up this week.
0: (laughs) But um, he helped no one either.
1: yeah, yeah, He didn't help anybody there. There's another wild card for you. He was on no (laughs) IDP leagues. Um, But I I just don't know. I Cam Newton ever since you know he he had the road trip in New England and then Detroit where he looked like he was starting to put it back together. I think he had about 700 passing yards in those two games, six touchdowns, one pick. And, you know, now he's, he's back down. It looked like his struggles were only at home, but now on the road at Soldier Field yesterday, he just does not look himself. And that team, they're tough to watch. Only three points against the Bears. That, that's, that's tough. So again, yeah. Newton, for everybody, but you helped no one.
0: Especially with what he had done against the Patriots and the Lions, and you and you want him to get back on track, and ultimately, what do you know? He doesn't. So it looks like he's falling back into the old routine of what he had at the beginning of the season. We thought there was a glimmer there of uh, fantasy excellence, but it was merely just a mirage, and that is very painful to admit. Yes, it is. Excellent. Uh, well, make sure to go to fateams.com fate We have the poll up there. You can vote who you think. Helped no one this week. Uh, And if you think it's someone that is not on the list, make sure to then leave it in the comments and let us know. That's how we interact with you. And that's how we all become better fantasy owners. Now, let's get to right into the week seven action, starting with a thriller Thursday night football game, Kansas City Chiefs against the Oakland Raiders. I'm almost 100% sure everyone on the site picked this wrong. (laughs) because who would have thought that the Oakland Raiders would suddenly come out and look like a viable team again? Uh, Haji, what did you have coming from this game?
1: Well, just like you said, it was exciting. I mean, I, I know watching it, I thought it was exciting from beginning to end, but that ending was, was insane. I was happy. I had Carr in one league and Cooper in another, so Cooper finally came alive. Um, Cooper, of course, finally comes alive
0: when he's playing against me, right? Like that's just always oh, how course. it goes. Is you're like you're like, oh, I'm going to be totally fine because X, Y, and Z, and then Cooper goes off for 33 freaking points. Of course,
1: um, of course. So yeah. what it what it actually sounded like um, was that they started playing Cooper more in the slot, and I don't know if some of the routes were quicker looks for Carr, um, or what was going on there. I know he was getting the matchups. Um, that they wanted. I think it was um, Parker on the Chiefs. They were kind of picking on him quite a bit. Um, They were looking for him in one-on-one matchups, and Carr was exploiting that matchup when he could. Um, A couple other takeaways. This may be Jared Cook's best game of the season. Um, I don't know if he can get any better from here. I know he hasn't been any better. He had a couple of big plays, a third down catch to keep a drive alive, alive, a fourth down catch, keep a drive alive. Um, and then the big catch down to the one at the end before that incredible four-play ending that that we saw with the Raiders pulling it out uh, in the corner to Crabtree.
0: Yeah, Jared Cook little- seems to be able to uh, to come up with the the biggest catches at the most opportune time. I obviously he did it last year for the Packers against uh, the Cowboys, and he he put together another quite successful game for the Raiders on uh, Thursday.
1: Yeah, he did. And I I think the Raiders, I think they came in with a plan and, and Carr knew he had to play better as well. And hopefully he's passed the, the back injury. Um, as for the Chiefs, I, I think they're fine. I mean, the Chiefs have played well, their defense is a little bit suspect, but I think that offense has finally put it together. They know how to get the ball in uh, hunt and Hill's hands. And they know that's what makes them go. And and Hill had a nice game. Six catches, 125 yards. Um, Hunt could have had a better game yard-wise, but um, and also it, it um, he didn't score, but um, some of his yards kind of came late. He still seems to be an RB1 going forward, much away from it for the Chiefs. I think this was just a game that uh, the Raiders wanted more, and on their home turf, they needed to uh, get the win.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was great to be able to see that you were just going to get points from everywhere in this game. And it was, you know, they're the, yeah, like you said, the Chiefs are going to be fine. I just, there's nothing wrong with the team losing, uh, was a barrier at the beginning of the year or something has hurt their past defense, obviously, and some of their runs stopping, but they're going to be fine. You're not starting their defense, you're starting all the, uh, all the big point scores they've had out there. The and me. Draft.
0: I started their defense minus what five points again. Just a bad yeah. week. How would you do that?
2: <laughs> God. I think that, Yahoo, there was it like third in terms of total points surrendered in the passing game, something like that. I don't that know why. Reporters.
0: I just clearly have not been paying attention to this one league,
2: yeah. I don't know, yeah. But I mean, like, we're happy is uh, the guys you need to produce really produce Cooper finally coming out. And this is what we said last week Cooper was the one who's gonna have the big game first, and we were exactly right. Let's point out that we were right, we did. so.
0: We we nailed, we nailed it. This is this is why you come to the RB One yeah. podcast for fancy advice because we're right, and we'll right, we'll tell you we're right. Yeah, right.
2: When I'm wrong, I try to point out the, the when I, <laughs> I <laughs> exactly. I'll do. Everybody does. There's no way to avoid that. But yeah,
1: no. Awesome. This is great.
0: I've missed in several leagues, and that really helped me out. Good job. Moving on. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars put a donut on the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, by now, I. Don't think there's really too much to talk about this game. Uh, other than the Jaguars defense, this is a, this is a real top 10 top five defense that is just continuously shutting down people. That cornerback duo of uh, AJ boy and Jalen Ramsey is filthy. Again, they had another double digit sack performance. That's how they opened the season. I believe was 10 sacks on the, on Houston. This is the defense that everyone wanted and was hoping to see after years and years of construction, uh, and a lot of draft capital. The only thing coming from the Colts that I cared about was Marlon Mack. Uh, the Colts need obviously a spark on offense and their running game has been a little, has not been as consistent as it could be with uh Frank Gore at the helm. And so I think they're going to start maybe hopefully turning things over to the rookie, give him a little more playing time, see what he could do. He had five carries for 26 yards, four catches for 40 yards this game you know, they have given him opportunities in the past. Uh, Hopefully that'll keep going because I think, again, he showed a little bit of something uh, and they need to invest into that. But, but biggest thing to take away is dang it for Leonard Fournette's injury, because my goodness, he could have just walloped all over this defense. The the Colts defense couldn't stop TJ Yeldon uh, or Chris Ivory for that matter or Blake Bortles couldn't stop anything. Uh, and I would have loved to see what Leonard Fournette could have put together if he was healthy. I probably would have been a hundred and fifty plus game, but who knows? Such is the life of the fantasy world. Nothing that I guess. I mean, Nothing that, it, it was a very, it was a very basic game. You can't you can't really ask for too much more from it. Uh, John, talk to me about Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading out to take on the uh Buffalo Bills.
2: I guess the big thing with Buffalo-Tampa Bay is we suddenly saw offense from two teams we had not seen offense from. Um, Yeah, Jameis Winston finally uh, looked like Jameis Winston. Uh, 384 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Good average, too. uh, 32 of 44. Uh, They they really did not run well. 25 carries. That's counting uh, Winston had one for no yards. 25 carries on his team for 69 yards. Um, Doug Martin had a good first game back and he hasn't looked good in the last two. Uh, it's not funny him. The thing that's uh, really interesting is uh, OJ Howard led the team in receiving yards. Uh, I mean, Mike Evans had 88. He caught seven of his 10 targets. He led the team in targets and receptions, but OJ Howard with 98 yards on six catches caught all six of his targets. Hit a long of 33 uh, and two touchdowns. Uh, so, I mean, we, at the beginning of the year, we talked about rookie tight ends are not somebody you normally start here. And, and, and in all fairness, O.J. Howard was not likely someone you were starting because Brate was getting the majority of the right. catches. Uh, Brate was getting the majority of the looks. Brate actually out-targeted uh, O.J. Howard in this one. They had the same number of catches. Both was six. Brate, though, <laughs> only 60 yards from the tight end spot. So, <laughs> I mean, that's uh, it's 158 yards from tight ends in this game. <laughs> where you were, I think,
0: I think that's exactly wild. the kind of offense that the Buccaneers want to be running. Though I think they want to kill you with their tight ends, and and twelve
2: of fifteen on those passes to the tight ends on those two tight ends. So Yeah, that's, that's a that's a good uh, group there. <laughs> just a ton of times they put the ball on the ground. They had six fumbles in this game. Oh my God! They only lost two. of them. That's just Tampa Bay. They only lost two of them, though. Um, <laughs> just crazy how that, that kind of. Worked out in that direction, but yeah, um, Buffalo had a fumble of their own and lost that one. That was LaShawn McCoy. Buffalo was off last week, so we didn't get McCoy, but he had 23 carries for 91 yards. He got you two touchdowns. He was everything you thought he should be. And Tyrod Taylor, you know, got you a Tyrod Taylor type game, uh, 268 yards, a touchdown, no picks, um, and got you another 53 on the ground. So he was a very valuable start in this game. They had a 100-yard receiver here today, Deontay Thompson, who we, of course, all started.
0: Of course, naturally. I <laughs> wouldn't, you? Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: The true then,
1: DFS right there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right? There was a treasure. Logan Thomas catches the uh, the only touchdown of the game on his only target. I oh it's one target, one catch, 22 yards, and the only touchdown of the game to Thomas. Perfect. So, <laughs> that, of course, hurts you from the receiving point. Deontay Thomas, the only – uh, Logan Thomas, they get guys you want to start. So, of course, Zay Jones continues to not be anything like what we were hoping he would be.
0: So depressing.
2: Well, when they traded away, it at the beginning of the year, they traded away Watkins. And it's like, they must really love Zay Jones. They must right. really believe in Zay Jones. And we've got nothing from him.
0: We've got nothing from Zay Jones or Jordan Matthews because he's just been injured. It's yes. been very upsetting. This Bills receiving core has not panned out ex- anywhere near what we expected.
2: Yeah, Jordan Matthews, two catches, ten yards. Uh, Zay Jones, two catches, seventeen yards. Between them, the two of them com- don't combine to a startable wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, upsetting. It is upsetting. And it's just like I don't know. I mean, there's the passing yards in this offense, but you're, good luck predicting who's going to get them each week. Uh, fifty-eight yards, second team, fifty-eight yards receiving nick o'leary classic he's got 165 on the year need you know is it
0: is there time. is there any reason to even try to start anyone on buffalo anyone in buffalo's receiving core outside of charles clay oh not really i mean he's the only guy you can count on consistently. right one
1: of yeah. the most I started, I started o'leary in a deep league this week just because what no you did i, had, I did i did
0: oh my god i
1: got plays out and Eifert's out I needed something it's a deep league so I went and I grabbed O'Leary <laughs> that's amazing
0: this is Dude. the one person who better from, from O'Leary's game is Haji we got him on the
1: podcast the only reason I started him though Target. is because he's the grandson of the golfer Jack Nicklaus well that's worth I knowing figured there, was,
0: there was something there crazy little factoids
2: okay St. Jones had nine targets he led the team in targets he caught two of nine. Oh he's terrible like what i don't you know what's going on today, James? he gets targets it's not like they they're ignoring him he just isn't catching the ball
0: which is so that, which is sad because in like that was one of his biggest things coming out of college was that his hands were just like vice grips like he just didn't drop balls
2: if he would have played somewhere else he wouldn't have caught quite as many and broken all those records but yeah he's <laughs> he's been a letdown in terms of what we were expecting from him this year and i don't know maybe next year we'll see a big jump up but didn't, we're not seeing it right now. You can't start him. No. it's frustrating because getting every opportunity he could get, and it's just not working. It's the most Bills thing ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it really is. It really is. It's like let's throw all of this opportunity at our rookie receiver and just watch it just amount to nothing. But they won. But they so won't get that. And, and win is a win. They're doing they, great. They are. They are doing very well. That's all the box score cares about is is whether or not it was a victory. Uh Haji. Talk to me about, you alluded to this game earlier in your helped no one, but talk to me, give me the full breakdown of the Carolina Panthers uh, going in and losing to the Chicago Bears.
1: Oh, the full breakdown. There's not much there. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so there were no offensive touchdowns in this game. Uh, the Bears actually attempted only seven passes. Uh, Trubisky's final stat line was four for seven for 107 yards. Uh, Most of that came on um, Tariq Cohen's one touch of the game for 70 yards. I don't think they know how to utilize their young running backs. I mean, this game was all defense, and yet both teams have enough firepower on the offensive side of the ball that they should have been able to get something going, anything. But the Bears don't know how to use Tariq Cohen. The Panthers don't know how to get McCaffrey in space. He's catching the ball either in the backfield or just on angle cuts right in the middle of the field, and he isn't able to make the moves that he was making in training camp before the pads came on. He just doesn't have the time. He, when he gets in the open field, he can make moves. But if you're just doing dump-offs to him in the backfield, He's got to make at least five guys miss just to get down the sideline. He's not getting the help he needs like he got at Stanford. The big takeaway, obviously, as I alluded to earlier, was uh, Cam Newton's poor play. Um, The Bears getting the win on only seven passes attempted. I mean, that plays right into John Fox's hand. Um, This was all defense, though. Uh, There really is nothing. The weather was fine. And it was just two defenses and Carolina's defense put them in position to win. And the offense just did nothing with it.
2: I was trying to see if like, if there's anything you can pick of this is like, are the bears a valuable fantasy defense? And they aren't still, it's like it, going through this right now, this is the first game in which they have allowed one to six points. <laughs> they have never had a game of seven to 13, two of 14 to 23 of 21 to 27 and one of 35 plus.
0: Oh, Lordy.
1: (laughs) um, Yeah. Honestly, it was just Carolina's offense making the Bears look good.
0: I will quickly say Christian McCaffrey is – and it's not like you said, Haji. It's not really his fault. It's just that the Panthers don't know how to really construct space for him to to operate in. But he's another instance where it's sad like Zay Jones. Zay Jones is partially letting everyone else down by himself. But – Christian McCaffrey is getting all of the opportunity and targets in the world. Um, and it's it's upsetting to me that he is not taking the league, or that the Panthers aren't manufacturing more for him, I guess, is is how I'd phrase it.
1: Right. You would think a guy of his talent, you give him 14 touches, he should be over 50 total yards.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, naturally. But uh, they are just not doing a good job of getting him into space and giving him the opportunity to make people miss. Yep. Mo- moving on. Never doubt my Los Angeles Rams, baby. Sean McVay <laughs> is a wizard. Hagrid's going to come and knock down his door and tell him he's about to start in <laughs> Hogwarts soon, baby. Cause Sean McVay has turned this Rams team into a suddenly <laughs> interesting offensive explosion. Um, but besides <laughs> that, I mean, really it's just Todd Gurley being amazing, but, uh, the big news out of this game was the fact that Carson Palmer broke his arm. Uh, so he's out indefinitely, probably for the rest of the season. Drew Stanton came in to replace him. Shocker, didn't look great. Uh, no receiver was over 40 yards on the day for the Cardinals. Adrian Peterson was was 21 yards on the ground. His offense is impossible to understand. Without Palmer, I just I don't see them doing anything. I'm not going to say drop all your Cardinals offensive players, but like, hmm think long and hard before you start another one of them, which pains me to say it because I finally, for the first time in like five years, got Larry Fitzgerald on my team because he's just like wonderfully consistent. And of course this is the year that he just is going to pit her into retirement because Drew Stanton can't throw a gosh dang football.
2: I, I got a little bit more faith in Bruce Arians doing something than this. I mean, like he's the one who revived. You, you remember that Fitzgerald was starting to decline. And and he, into- he brought him back, and part of that was kind of like uh, Hadji was talking about earlier. Moved him to the slot. Yeah, really didn't want to do it first, but he did it, and that—that's the reason why the last like three years now he's been that guy again. He'll still get his underneath catches, I think, to a degree. But you know, I don't know. I mean, Drew Stanton has played well before. We'll say that he stepped in a couple years back when they when Atlanta or me, Arizona started their last run. When you know, the they first couple of years where they were good there, he played a lot because Carson was tore broken. His broken his ACL, the one that the repaired ACL again, which is the saddest story. Am
0: I, am I crazy to thinking that I'd rather have Blaine Gabbert than Drew Stanton under center just based on how Gabbert was looking in the preseason? He just looked like a better, more complete quarterback who you could utilize his athleticism and kind of make this offense a little more exciting than Drew Stanton. I just saw nothing out of Drew Stanton in this game. It was just yeah, like
1: that's not crazy at all. He, yeah. he
0: really was bad. Yeah. Drew Stan just looked just looked below below average and which which is hard to see, especially for a Cardinals offense that has struggled throughout this season and has only had flashes of greatness. Um, I'm going to be very curious to see what this offense looks like if David Johnson uh, returns could also see this is what the Colts, I'm sure, are doing right now with luck is they're just probably going to shut him down for the season because what's the point? I could maybe see something similar in Arizona. If David Johnson is still recovering from his broken wrist and they're just like, you know what, why would we put our franchise out there for a bum season? We'll see. But I'm just saying my, my, my intuition tummy is rattling. (laughs) John, talk to us about uh, the green Bay Packers, sadly being unable to get the victory for Brett Hundley in his first start against the new Orleans saints.
2: Well, the first thing is is like it's going to take a while now to really feel comfortable with some of your packers. And the reason I would say is that it seems like Mike McCarthy didn't plan a new game plan this week. He didn't give a new idea of what they should do. there There was not the use of tight ends that you would have expected from a young quarterback. There was not the use of screenplays or slants. They didn't they did not throw slant passes. They did not throw hitches. They did not throw look, there's one play they're showing where they they literally ran all four receivers just straight down the field. You like, why is that a play you would even call first start? Um, they they did not game plan for the team that that they were playing with, which is odd for Mike McCarthy to an extent. But the one thing I'll say that does bother me about Mike McCarthy is he frequently loves his system to the degree that he believes that just, it it'll work. It's just going to work. You know, like. Sometimes you need to tailor it a little bit more, and he does, but sometimes it takes him a week or two or three to do that. Um, so that was it. Uh, Aaron Jones now seems to be the starting running back.
0: Aaron Jones, baby!
2: He had he had 70 yards rushing on the first drive and ended with 131. So it's like, yeah, yeah he, looked, he looked good, though. I mean, he had a couple of big break in place. They clearly were sitting up and playing a two deep zone and keeping guys up in the box at the end, because they knew the Packers just were not throwing intermediate and short passes. So they just waited deep and kept their linebackers up. And that, that really affected uh, how far he could run. But Aaron Jones was falling forward, which is a great skill to have a great trait to have. Uh, He's just got, he's got good feet. He's got decent patience. uh, He reads pretty well. And, uh, And he was, worthwhile in the passing game too he had uh what do you end up with uh, he only had three catches on five targets uh i mean they only turned into seven yards because we kept the only thing we threw short was swing passes behind the line of scrimmage and he would try to get forward and stuff
0: yeah we ran a poll on on fate team on our twitter account on the twitter fate twitter account uh and i ran a poll asking which packer people liked had the most fancy value heading in for the rest of the season it was between Jordy, Devontae Adams, uh, Ty Montgomery, and Aaron Jones, and maybe it was just people all living on the high after Aaron Jones's great success against the Saints. But like my goodness, it was at the 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 amount of people who voted for Aaron Jones was staggering. That. That is what everyone is putting their faith in in this Packers offense, which I don't know if that's just uh everyone's getting excited after seeing another good performance from him or if there's actually some weight there is that that maybe they're going to become a little more of a running offense and Aaron Jones is going to be that guy. Yeah, they're going to run
2: more. Uh, they definitely... Gave him a fair share of carries. He got a good load, but they've they've been running more this year in general. Remember Montgomery was getting quite a lot more carries than other guys. It's also good to spell him. He was on a pace to be the, to have by far the most snaps of any any non quarterback uh, player in the NFL at the early part of the year. So it's good to see him being able to be spelled in different places and having faith in another guy. It just, it hurts if you were the uh, dynasty guy who, in heavily in Jamal Williams because, uh, that that's, <laughs> that's not happening. No, he's going down to third, but, uh, I would think that the Packers will take a good look at this tape. They've got a bye week and they're going to look at this and see everything they did wrong. They do particularly well coming out of bye weeks I, I would hope they just start using, they've got good receivers. Um, they've got good receivers and they can find ways to just use them and get them the ball. Um, you don't do well when the ball is still in the quarterback's hand at the end of the play. You need to get it out of his hand and quickly. So that's what they need to work on. Uh, Drew Brees looked good. Drew Brees in the second half looked good. Uh, most of his, his yards, most of his his big plays happened in the second half. Had, of course, the rushing touchdown we expected he'd get. Of course. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the one passing touchdown, the two picks early looks like the packers were you know, what i was seeing here is disguising their zones pretty well early on but uh they made good adjustments in the second half uh mark ingram is very clearly number 1 this is the reason they felt comfortable getting rid of adrian peterson that adrian peterson is done it's
1: done it's <laughs> done <laughs>
2: this is why i wasn't worried when you were ranting about it last week <laughs> he can come back for a game or two but yeah uh ted Ginn. Ted Ginn led the team in catches and yards, 141 yards might be possibly saving my favorite fantasy team this year, but I don't know yet. It'll depend on what Wentz and, uh, and, uh, cousins do, but yeah, seven catches, seven targets. Uh, Michael Thomas had seven catches. He had 11 targets, so he was again, valuable. Hopefully, you know, we're hoping he stays at that higher end, uh, 82 yards and seven catches. So those were the the guys you had Kamara found his way to be useful. Uh, he had 107 total yards, very balanced, uh, 57 rushing and 50 receiving. So he's he's good to have, too, as a, an RB2, possibly, in, in most leagues.
0: Cool beans. Moving on, let's move on to a team that should have won their game by a whole lot more than they did. Uh, in fact, they had to take it to overtime to win the Tennessee Titans against the Cleveland Browns. Haji, what happened?
1: Oh, I'm just getting the real, the real barn burner games here.
0: (laughs) It's again, it's filling the exact role that that Clark is. It's amazing how this just all pans out and flat and comes out.
1: Well, I'm honored to uh, be filling in for Clark this week, but this was another game, all defense, no offense. Um, Mariota did not look all that good. Murray couldn't get anything going. Honestly, I don't, I don't know what Cleveland's doing. Um, <laughs> Does anyone? Anywhere. Um, their defense looked fine. Um, they were able to shut down the run game. They were able to hold Mariota in check. Um, I believe they blanked Eric Decker. Uh, they couldn't get anything really going. Um, Delaney Walker was the uh, biggest producer in the past game for the Titans, but he ended up getting his ankle trapped under him. So it would be interesting to see how long he's out for that could be a big loss for Tennessee, but Cleveland, the magic number here is 28, 28 quarterbacks since 1999 that they've started. Oh, that's so sad. I know coach Hugh Jackson wants to win a game. I know he's feeling the pressure, but this is not how you bring a rookie quarterback into the NFL. You know, he, he wanted him to take a seat, you know, kind of soak up what he could, and give Hogan the start. And then, as soon as Hogan struggles, let's bring Kaiser back in. Struggles again? Okay, let's bring in Cody Kessler. None of these guys can play. You just got to stick with one of them and go with it. I mean, yeah. Kaiser wasn't that great in college. Hogan was fine, but Stanford was an excellent team. So a lot of the inconsistencies that Hogan has were masked by a good Stanford team. And, you know, the same with Kessler. They're not starting quarterbacks. And Jackson just needs to pick one, and he needs to basically ride them into the ground and just let them learn. You know, it's it's sink or swim, really. You and can't keep going.
0: And they're about to literally be ridden into the ground because Joe Thomas is now out for the season. So they're going to just have no – there's no one on that offensive line who's going to be protecting him.
1: Right. Exactly. And, you know, they're – Losing Corey Coleman, you know, your best receiver now is a running back in Duke Johnson. So they just they don't have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they have startable startable players in, in Crowell and um, also... Oh. The- Isaiah Crowell
0: has been so disappointing to me. It's been hard for me to accept the the fate of Isaiah Crowell cuz I was so high on him this offseason given what the Cleveland had done in their run uh their run protection and run blocking and then I just thought that the, this was going to be a season where Isaiah Crowell lit it up but he has not so far. So
1: again it goes, it goes back to it goes back to what um we were talking about with the Packers though. You, yeah, you have to have a quarterback who's at least a threat to throw the ball. To, yeah. to make a play downfield in order to establish any type of run game. yeah. You know, if you can't establish a pass, they're going to stack a box. And Crowell just, he, he's not a guy that's known to break tackles.
0: Well, so just, uh, just mark your calendars as week seven as the time where we all know that the Cleveland Browns are a fantasy wasteland. They're on the club. <laughs>
1: I'm just looking for the 29th quarterback. Anybody have any guesses on who that might be? Cause they've used everybody on the roster.
0: They're going to bring back Charlie Whitehurst. Clipboard <laughs> Jesus is coming back out of retirement to carry this team of greatness. That doesn't count as a 29th then. Dang, Dang. He it. Peyton Manning. He's been hurt. He's been seen in Cleveland, baby. It's going to happen.
1: At this point, uh, they might as well LeBron. just start LeBron.
0: LeBron should just be like, you know what? I've, I've had it with basketball. I've already achieved everything I needed to achieve. Yeah. Now I'm yeah. going to go lead the Cleveland Let's Browns. Let's go win the title, Let's go yeah. win the title for the football. There you go. That's how you, that's <laughs> how you cement your legacy.
2: Because LeBron James hasn't been beat up enough in his life so far,
0: right? Exactly. So now he's going. He's going to go lead the Cleveland Browns to Super Bowl. Uh, moving on, part of the AFC North. Moving to the NFC North, a whole lovely combination. The Baltimore Ravens walloped. Uh, it's my favorite word by the Minnesota Vikings, and of course, this is just ha- this happens just as we're all getting comfy with Jarek McKinnon. Latavis Murray just suddenly is like, you know what? Hold my beer. I'm going to now put in a huge game. 18 carries to McKinnon's 14. He had 113 yards and a touchdown. The interesting thing about this is if you look at Latavius Murray's carries over the last five weeks, he's gone 2, 7, 12, 15, 18. I don't know if I'm just really good at math, but those seem like increasing numbers that mean, his role is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and bigger, I think I don't know what to make out of this Vikings backfield anymore. Uh, he looked really good carrying the football and he's facing off against the Browns next week. So maybe he'll be able to build on this. That being said, we just learned that the Browns might actually have a decent run game because they kind of shut down to our run defense. Who knows? Nonetheless, just when we thought that we knew what the Vikings off backfield was going to be looking like, that Jerick McKinnon was t- running away with it, was that dual threat, was doing everything great. Here's Latavius Murray reminding, him, reminding us all of that fantasy football is a fickle mistress and that uh, whoever you think is going to be great will probably be ro- uh, bad the week that you start them. In Baltimore, there's really nothing to care about. I, I have, I, the only thing, the only person I have here that's of interest to the fantasy community is Justin Tucker. Who's their kicker. Um, he's the only person on the ball on the Ravens worth owning in fantasy. Alex Collins, maybe in deep leagues, maybe in very deep leagues. He had, he had a, he had 10 carries for 30 yards, I believe today. So yeah, he's generally the,
2: the carry leader, at least. So he's, He's in there somewhere, and every now and then he does something with it. Right. And the thing
0: is, is, but also every now and then Buck Allen suddenly reminds us that he's like a great dual threat running back and catches the ball and runs the ball and does flipping everything. I think that I think if, if Roger Goodell truly cared about the longevity of the NFL, he would ban running back committees because it is just infuriating and, and no one wants to have a running back committee. I want one person who I can start. And when I start them, I know that they're going to get 18 plus carries a game. That's my old, that's the old stubborn Pete. He wants the young kids off his lawn. Yeah. Moving on. Let's, yeah. uh, John, take us to a barn burner. The New York Jets against the Miami Dolphins going crazy. Well,
2: the Jets game, we've got obviously points at least for lots of different people, including a rushing touchdown for McCown uh, and three passing touchdowns so just exactly how we drew this up you were going to start mccown because he's going to get you four different touchdowns on this game um i learned that forte led the team in receptions that's yes there's nothing about the jets that you can predict or look for in offense and that is what we know about the jets that even when they score 28 points you weren't going to predict that and you weren't going to start them and don't start them next week uh, JGI got all the carries he needed to not do anything impressive with uh, <laughs> 23 carries 51 yards 2.2 no touchdowns Along of 11 uh yeah just not a ton there Jarvis Landry still very valuable for you Kenny Stills is valuable today too uh each of them had a touchdown stills actually had two uh Fasano got you a touchdown for the tight end spot with three catches of 25 yards in that touchdown so uh there, there was there were passes around uh definitely uh had that going for him there were 37 passes in this game 21 of them by that more 20 you went 13 21 uh, 188 yards and of course nobody started that two touchdowns one pick jay cutler broken rib is what i've heard now so that'll be a little bit yeah tough break for them but i mean what else are you going to do like it they clearly didn't want to go with Matt Moore to start this year, and now they're just gonna to have to deal with it. The guy they said we'd rather start a guy who retired than you is going to be the guy they have to put out there this week. So
0: which is not gonna be great. Thursday night football, baby. Can't can't ask for a better matchup.
2: You if you got a deep league or a two quarterback league, he's on the end of your list, maybe. But I mean, only if you think he's gonna be angry enough to do something. He had a hundred two rating in this game. But of course Jay Cutler had 114. So,
0: so just another yeah. another example of the quarterback rating really meet, really being an important stat. Yeah, it's super useful
2: in this one. I'm trying to see who they have next week. Looks so like they get the Ravens. So yeah. I don't know.
1: I know you guys love my uh deep league stories. So in a victory this week, I, I did start Josh McCown. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. This is just this is
0: just Haji can't even participate in you and you helped no one because he literally everyone helped
1: him. Right, right, exactly.
0: This is why he had to go off script because he was like, Oh, Josh McCown. No, actually, Josh I benefited from Josh McCown.
1: Right, exactly. It was I had Rodgers. he got hurt, so it was either McCown on my bench or or pick up the 49ers rookie. And I was like, well, I'll start McCown, I guess.
0: Hey, I just wrote I just wrote on my waiver wires this week that he's Actually, a decent fantasy quarterback, and that you should uh, make moves to get him on your bench. So there you go.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're in games. You know, they're playing to win, and he's throwing the ball. So why not?
0: Why not? Uh, Kaji, take us to the Steelers Bengals game.
1: This is always a fun game um, between two teams that don't really like each other. Um, I think you guys will remember last year's playoffs um, with the uh, perfect hit on Antonio Brown across the middle. Um, there was some some other extracurriculars as well in there. And, you know, these teams, uh, AFC North foes, just really don't like each other. And um, it started off as a pretty good game. Um, I believe it was 14-14 um, late in the second. And then something on the Steelers' defense just started to click. They came alive. Um, and the Steelers were able to move the ball. You know, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell they have the guys to get the job done and um, the Dalton and green connection just kind of stopped working. The, uh, the Steelers wanted zone defense, just kind of figured out that that's where, that's where uh, Andy Dalton wants to go. They um, tried shutting green down and allowing him to go elsewhere. And uh, Dalton remained stubborn and kept trying to feed the ball to green. And it just wasn't happening. Due to uh, the coverage on Green, Brandon LaFell actually came out of nowhere and had a decent game for once. Um, But, you know, the Bengals really need to just feed the ball to Joe Mixon. He's clearly their second most talented player on the team other than A.J. Green. He is head and shoulders above Bernard and Jeremy Hill in the backfield. When he gets the ball and he hits the hole... He's just so much better than anybody else that they have. Joe Mixon needs to get the ball and Marvin Lewis needs to do a better job of getting it to him. And I don't know why Marvin Lewis doesn't like rookies. I don't know why he treats Mixon this way. If you're not going to give him the ball, don't draft him.
0: No, I really, he had, he had a couple runs where he like if it had been e- either Jeremy Hill or Geo in that backfield that the run would have gone for a negative gain, most likely
1: it, it miss that hole.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, he attacked a couple holes and and was able to uh, kind of bounce around. He had one really nice cutback uh, where he he took the run the opposite direction and was able to add on a, a good like 10 or 15 yards um, more than it was looking like it was developing. Yeah, I and he even came out. I believe he came out. At least I saw. I thought I saw a report saying that he came out and was a, a little peeved at the lack of touches that he had gotten in the game.
1: So yeah, I think he should be. I mean, it, it's always hard coming out to the media like that because a lot of guys get bad rap. But mm-hmm. I think he should be upset because it it works when they're feeding him the ball, the offense is moving. Yeah, and then they just they stop. um, On the other side of the ball, though, a guy that's going to the media, um, Martavis Bryant with the Steelers, and uh, you know now we're looking at about a week until the trade deadline, and uh, it's very possible that. Uh, he's on the move. Um, especially, uh, there could be some waves created saying, um, he basically came out and said that Juju Smith Schuster can't hold a candle to him. Yeah. And uh, you know, that's, that's not going to win you any friends and especially not in that wide receiver room.
0: Cause nothing screams Pittsburgh Steelers like self-destruction in the middle of the season. Exactly. Um, Perfect segue because we'll take this Martavis Bryant trade and we'll bring it right into the next game on the docket. The Seattle Seahawks against the New York Giants quickly talking about the Giants and then we'll get to my connection. Evan Ingram is legit. Uh, six catches, 60 yards, one touchdown. He and Eli are getting on the same page, which is excellent to see, um, Basically, they've been forced to because Odell Beckham is out. And Brandon Marshall is out. and Sterling Shepard has been, uh, you know, daddling with injuries. And so Eli's got to throw the ball somewhere. Orleans Dockwalk kind of did not pan out as much as I thought he would. But moving on with past all of that, because who really cares? Seattle. Russell Wilson reminds us he's really good at throwing the football. And wouldn't it be awesome if the Seattle Seahawks were like, you know what? We saw Russell Wilson showing off that he can still pass that rock across the field. Let's go get him a 6'5 wide receiver who runs a 440. Get Mark Davis Bryant to Seattle, baby! Who says no?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Seattle clearly loves Tyler Lockett and Paul Richardson. And they probably love them a lot more than anybody else does. Uh, You could see it yesterday in the game. They were trying to force feed those guys the ball. If they could get Russell Wilson, someone with actual talent out there, other than just elite speed, this could be a killer offense. I know they have the offensive line problems, but how much would he help Doug Baldwin so to much. have another established receiver on the other side?
0: Oh man! I mean, I just, I just was imagining all of the different kind of formations you could run with martavis bryant jimmy graham and doug baldwin i mean what are what are defenses going to do especially once you get around the goal line that's two six five and up dudes who can just win contested jump balls that you're going to be throwing fades to with doug baldwin kind of zigging zagging across the middle of a defense i think that seattle should be making calls right now so i know pete carroll you listen to this podcast pete pause the podcast pick up your phone Start making calls, call your GM, call everyone you need to make calls with. I don't know what your normal day is, but get Martavis Bryant in Seattle. I think it will work out very splendidly.
2: That's where the miscreants of the NFL always go. Like, you hate. Exactly. exactly. You want to tell everybody how much you hate people? Go to <laughs> come, Seattle.
0: Come to Seattle. We'll make it all better.
2: <laughs> everybody who's um, mad and hates the world can go to Seattle and tell everybody how much they hate it.
0: It's- exactly. That's what happened with uh, Sheldon Richardson. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It, it works. works. Uh, moving on. John. Finally got this game right. Broncos versus the Chargers. <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. Oh, who raise your hand. If you had uh, AJ Derby, Haji, uh, AJ Derby. Nope.
0: Nope. Nope. I didn't uh, have this one. Finally, finally someone that didn't help Haji win.
2: Uh six catches, sixty-six yards, leads your team. Uh Fowler, five catches, forty-five yards. Neither of them with touchdowns, obviously, because that's not how they roll right now in Denver. <laughs> um, yeah, just nothing much to take from this one. This they they all let you down pretty badly in this one. Not being able to get any points. Uh, there's not a lot of fantasy value in just not getting any points. CJ Anderson, 44 yards uh, rushing. And 17 receiving. So yeah, just nobody of particular value in this game. Simeon didn't do much. I don't know if they just everyone's figured him out now or what what the deal is, but he didn't get you anything really. Um, yeah, though I, I <laughs> there were 21 points scored by the Chargers, and you couldn't look at these stats without looking at the touchdowns and say that that was what happened. I mean, Rivers had 183 passing yards. Uh. I'm not going to get this name right. Cause I don't know him. Austin <laughs> Eckler or eatler. Ackler? I don't know. It's <laughs> uh, a great yeah. sign. Uh, seven carries 38 yards. Uh, and he had, what was it? Four targets for four catches, six yards and a touchdown, six yards, but the touchdown, it's like, what, <laughs> what, what is going on here? Melvin Gordon, 18 carries, to 38 yards. So Eckler and Gordon say a number of totally rushing yards. Um, the the highest receiving player on this team, four catches, 73 yards. He's, he's the guy you should be starting, I guess, out of this team. He's the most consistently targeted player. He's the most consistent productive player. Um, he didn't get you a touchdown here, but he did get you 73 yards, and he gets you a fair amount of touchdowns. Uh, he was last year one of the highest producing. I think he is the highest producing rookie tight end of like the last five to 10 years. Um, so, yeah, I I start him. And then you don't know what receiver is going to do anything on any given day. You'll still start Gordon, obviously, because he's going to have better days than this. Denver's a really good defense. Just 21 points came from somewhere. Somehow,
0: somehow, it just appeared on the scoreboard. To the scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, Benjamin one target, forty two yards and a touchdown. Eckler four targets, six yards and a touchdown. Like what? <laughs> what? This is strange. It was a, it was a weird fantasy game where there was points scored by one team, but not a lot of value other than the touchdowns. And the other team, just nothing because there just were no nothing, touchdowns. Nothing. Not a lot of value anywhere else. So
0: it has this. How many times in an, in the NFL? And I have no idea if either of you can pull this stat off the top of your head because I. I certainly cannot. How many times in the NFL had there been multiple shutouts in a week, let alone three, almost four? There were almost four shutouts this week. That's insane to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is just something that should not happen in the professional football league. And it wasn't even like awful teams getting just clobbered. It was like the Cardinals not scoring any points or the Broncos not scoring any points or almost the freaking Atlanta Falcons not scoring any points.
1: Yep. Yep. And, and to be in the middle of the season too, like not opening week where, you know, maybe an offense is behind. Some right. Guys we're week healthy. seven. Yeah, exactly. That it's very,
0: it's a crazy. It's crazy. Uh, Haji, before we get into the illustrious Sunday night football that was so successful for both of our New England Patriots, <laughs> uh, we are have a majority on this podcast this week. Uh, talk to us about Dallas and San Francisco and Ezekiel Elliott's Monsters career game.
1: Yeah, this was just the, uh, a mismatch from the beginning. Um, Zeke had a big game. Um, in a not so deep league, I started Dak Prescott at quarterback in a victory. Good. Um, the the only the for Dallas is the amount of targets that they throw to Des and the low percentage of targets that he actually catches. Um, I know they really try and get him the ball. And I know, you know, if Witten's not healthy or if they're keeping him in the block, there just isn't really any other threat on the outside um, to help Des get open, um, you know, maybe against a, a double coverage or a safety kind of rolling over to his side. Um, so I, I do think this would be another good landing spot for Martavis if they could um, go out and get him. Um, I don't know if that's possible. I don't know. It would know, be a nice, stipulation, but it's definitely a guy that Jerry Jones would say, Oh, I got no problem with him.
0: Of course not. I mean, if you bring Greg Hardy and you're going to be okay, bringing Martavis Bryant in, um, exactly. It would so, be, a, it would be a crazy duo to pair with, or someone to pair with both Des Bryant. And I mean, it, presumably if you have Ezekiel Elliott for, you know, however much of the season remaining, but nonetheless.
1: Right. And if you do lose Zeke, I think that opening up the pass game like that could allow somebody like Alfred Morris to have a little bit more room to run and be a little bit more successful than he probably would be without that extra deep threat. Um, You know, having that other top notch receiver other than the Terrence Williams on the, on the other side of Des Bryant. um, I think that that little bit could put Dallas over the top and, you know, finally get them a little bit further in the playoffs. But, you know, the story in this game was Ezekiel Elliott um, getting that, um, injunction or, or stay from the judge, um, allowing for another two weeks. Uh, this was the first of, of the two weeks that were allowable at this time. And he made the most of it. And, um, to be honest, if San Francisco practices anything this week, it should be tackling because, um, Elliot put on a clinic on, uh, how to get around defenders and San Francisco had nothing in the way of stopping him
0: yeah no it, it was the first time this season that zeke looked uh looked like rookie zeke that he looked like the uh the rookie year phenomenon and he he definitely came out in a big way and just walloped all over uh all over the niners so there you go excellent that's that's wrapping it up and we move on to now sunday night football in which the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots faced off in a Super Bowl 51 rematch. Uh, And let me just first say, before I go on, I have a whole nice little rant here that I've written. Uh, Let me first say, as a Patriots fan, this game went uh, so much better than I could have ever expected. I was thinking that the Patriots defense was going to get absolutely blown off the field. Julio Jones was going to go for 150 yards and multiple touchdowns and just completely annihilate whatever semblance of a secondary we have, but pleasantly surprised uh, we Patriots suddenly have a defense. So that's great. However, now to my rant, as a fantasy fan, I don't comprehend what the Falcons are doing. I have a very clear message for Dan Quinn and whomever the OC is right there that Kyle Shanahan is tanking the Niners for cousin. Uh, get the ball to Julio Jones in the red zone. I don't understand how you have, he had one target in the red zone heading into this game. And then, the one tar- and then the, they targeted once once they got into the red zone. Matt Ryan threw him an awful pass that basically landed in Malcolm Butler's hands. And Julio Jones grabbed it and ripped it away from him in order to score the touchdown. Just give him the ball. This might be naive view- football viewer Peter Rogers talking right now. But honestly, I have issues with teams trying to be too cute and sneaky and stuff when it comes to play calling. The Bengals started the season like this. Just get the ball to your stinky number one guy. What happened to the good old football days where you force feed your number one receiver regardless of quadruple coverage? I want Brett Favre ripping it to Donald Driver over and over. I want Tom Brady tossing it bombs to Randy Moss because who can cover him? At this point, when I was writing this rant, I was looking at actual stats and I could see that the Falcons actually are force feeding Julio Jones. He's had 50 targets and Sanu is second with only 34. So my whole argument is slightly less constructed on facts. But still, my point is to get the ball to him in the red zone. He is a freak of nature, and you just throw fades to him until he either scores a touchdown or he gets pass interference. So Dan Quinn, the offensive coordinator that took over for Kyle Shanahan. Sarkeesian. Just 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 please, please throw more red zone targets Julio Jones's way. So that's all I got. Anyone else want to attack on to week seven before we wrap it up?
2: Well, Kirk Cousins is killing my fantasy team right now. Kirk! Cousins! It uh, was a Captain- great moment where uh both Carson Wentz and Kirk Cousins were the leading rushers uh on their teams in this game. Uh, but then uh Chris Thompson got a couple more yards, and now he's he's got 20 he had 23 compared to the 18 that Cousins had when he was leading the team in the third quarter. Tight ends are both their leading receivers right now.
0: <laughs> it's the world of tight ends that we live in. It was uh, not a great week for wide receivers. Uh I am very and I'll say this is the last thing I'll say before we, we wrap this up. I'm really worried about my uh, Terrell Pryor hype train. It is running off of the rails real, real, real fast. And I uh, am not a fan. Not a fan. Got one point uh, in a half PPR league right now. Uh, no, he is- I need no. him to have a huge game. And that is, sadly, does not look like it is going to happen. So. But that's all right uh, that's that's just something that we'll all have to live with as always, thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed uh big thanks to Haji for jumping in on the on the podcast this week to take over for Clark as he was absent on Vacation. <laughs>
1: Not so, a problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course, anytime. So make sure uh to follow the podcast on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M Rogers. Uh follow John at J Barn54. Uh Haji at Blacks08. Is that it?
1: Yep. Zero 08. Yep. Boom. Nailed it. Uh
0: subscribe on iTunes, rate us, subscribe, review, download. Do all those fun things because you love us and you want to listen to us twice a week. Uh, And until Thursday, remember that we care about your fantasy football team. Talk to you Thursday. Aaron.